You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, still lots to absorb and a lot to take in, Andy, as uh, free agency is slowed down. We've reached that point where, you know, it's basically where is Dennis Schroeder going to sign? Uh, the- Which, by the way, we're going to have that discussion at some point next week because this has become a really, at least to me, incredibly compelling part of this offseason and free agency in general. When you, when you take into account like basically the offseason of last year, the Danny Green trade and everything that happened with Schroeder and the Lakers to where we are now and the negotiations that didn't end up coming to fruition and all of this stuff. It is really interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's every year there's somebody, you know, usually Matt Barnes, who overestimates his value and you know ends up signing a one year deal or something like that under what market value it could have been or whatever. But the 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 gap here between what Schroeder was offered, what he wanted, and what it seems like he's going to get is one of the more interesting uh, NBA free agency stories of the last. Look, it can years. happen to a lot of guys. Ask KCP how that yeah. goes uh, several years ago when he turned down, I think it was an eighty million dollar contract from the Pistons, and you know over time, Rich Paul has been able to get his client. Kind of made uh, it up to him. But yeah, I mean, this this stuff happened. Took a lot um, of doing. So um, we're going to talk about centers, Andy. The, there are only a couple places right now where you can look at the Lakers roster and have a really good feel for assuming uh, things stay as they are, kind of have a decent feel for what it's going to look like. And the center position is one of them. So we're going to talk about how that has started to lay itself out. Um, and the But the the other big thing, the place we're going to start today. I can be honest with you. I'd forgotten about this. We spent two or three shows, I think, talking about the lack of a contract extension for Frank Vogel earlier, you know, after the season was done, as we were doing kind of the post-mortem stuff. And there were some reports uh, that maybe even people inside the organization were a little surprised that it hasn't gotten done. Frank Vogel going into the last year of his contract. I guess with all the free agency stuff and the draft prep, and I totally forgot about it. But Andy, Frank Vogel still does not have a contract extension. Yeah, Bill Orm uh, wrote a really good piece over at the Athletic, our, our buddy, um, about just how this is basically the last unanswered question for the Lakers. Since, uh, as we talked about before, it does appear like Dennis Schroeder, wherever he ends up playing, it is not going to be with the Lakers. So at this point, the only thing really left to button up of any real significance is Frank Vogel's future with this team and and the signaling of how strong that relationship is moving forward. Because ideally, you don't want a coach going into a lame duck season, particularly when you are in the winnest of win now modes. And on top of it, you've got a really reshuffled roster that this coach is dealing with. He only has three returning players, only two of which, LeBron and AD, 
were actually rotation mainstays. Like, you know, Taylor Norris. I mean, look, throw, throw Dwight in if you want because, you know, you go back two years. But even then, it's still not much. Right. I mean, you know, and THT was in the rotation, but there were games where he had less to do than not. Like, he still has yet to truly establish himself mm-hmm. with what he does with this team. There are a ton of moving pieces for a roster that is, in a lot of ways, at least on paper, built the exact opposite of what Frank Vogel would be looking for right. in his utopian version of basketball where you where you win two to nothing. Yeah, hang into that, hang on to that thought for a second, because I th- that's one of the places that I want to go back to when as you sort of try to figure out what's happening here. And by the way, the answer might be nothing. Nothing's really oh, yeah. like it's just the normal mechanics. Like, yes, the Lakers have been really busy trading for Russell Westbrook and signing. A bunch of free agents, and you know, while the Westbrook thing raises a bunch of questions, I both of us have spent the last couple of days talking about how much we think the Lakers have done good work, uh, given what was available to them in the free agent market in terms of uh, of who they brought in. But you know, we talked about it a lot on Thursday's show, Andy. The so much, especially defensively, before we even get to the offensive part, so much about the defense. You know, they let Caruso go, but, you know, maybe you can make Kent Bazemore into that. Like, how do you uh, use you replicate KCP, Kuzma? Right. You've lost KCP, Kuzma, and Caruso, three of your best, you know, non-LeBron and AD defenders. Um, Probably, no, not three of your best. Those were the three best. Um, And replace them, even in somebody like Trevor Ariza, who is, is very good at the thing that he can still do, which is, you know, guard fours guard you know in kind of guard his position but doesn't have that flexi switchability that that uh you know some of these other guys did that he had earlier in his career so even the the plus defenders that they have are not quite as versatile uh, as a group as what they had last season and so much of what we talked about Thursday Andy was I you know they just think maybe Frank can figure this out because look at what he did last year with this bizarre, you know, dudes in and out of the lineup, guys, never the same thing twice. And they still sustained a really good defense throughout the, the throughout the season. So on the one hand, it's, it, they're, it seems to me that they're showing a tremendous amount of faith in Vogel on that side of the ball, especially well-earned. But on the other, they haven't gotten him the contract yet. Yeah, so, I mean, look, uh, they, you know, it's if, just... If everybody knows... If everybody knows each other well enough that you can establish trust, and I'm talking about between basically Jeannie, Rob Palinka, Frank Vogel, and I guess technically speaking to a lesser degree, but let's be honest, it's a very important one, and you could call it equal, I guess, if you move beyond you know the job titles, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Rich Paul. Like, you know, if the relationship between those six people is solid enough. That it's like, look, man, we can, we can table this for a little while. It's going to be fine. We know what's coming. We just, we've got more immediate pressing needs mm-hmm. to deal with. Then fine. That being said, everybody does their best work knowing that you have job security to do all the things that you want to do, do all the things that you want to try. Like that's the best environment especially when, again, you're dealing with all these different new pieces, if there's any shred of doubt from any of those parts, you know, any of those people that we just mentioned, that could make this whole thing kind of tenuous, depending it, it, on where it goes. No, you're right. And and what what a 
if if they get out to if let's say Vogel doesn't have a contract extension going into the season, which I I am you know Frank is as as company a man as a company guy is, he is not going to speak out of turn. He will never complain. He won't. I mean, like it's not going to happen. Like going into the season, he's not going to talk about it if they still don't have one. I mean, look, if he that. if he did not walk away from this organization after that farcical introductory press like introductory conference, press conference? Did, where everybody was there to ask questions of Rob Palinka about right. what the hell had been going on after Magic quit and Luke got, you know, Luke ended up getting fired without getting fired and all the turnover and nobody from the organization had spoken and nobody was there to ask a single damn question of the new guy that just got hired. If anything, they were more curious about what was going on with Jason Kidd. Like mm-hmm. if Vogel didn't just say, you know what? <laughs> this. It. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah, worth you know, it. I'll I'm, find I'm another gig. <laughs> if he didn't walk away from there, he's not walking away or like no, you said, but, raising but, the stink. But like you're this. not going to hear, you know, leaks from Camp Vogel, um, which does not know. sound like a fun camp. Like if I have to send <laughs> my kids to camp, I'm not going to Camp Vogel. Sound, to be honest, it sounds like a Jewish day camp. <laughs> Sounds like somewhere you and I went. <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> Lamest camp ever. Camp Vogel. Um, a lot but, of arts and crafts. Yeah. <laughs> so, so A lot of kids who think they're better at baseball than they really are. He, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of that. So he, um, he's not going to say, but like, obviously, Vogel both believes that he can do his job better if, and deserves a con, you know, a contract extension. And I, I think I, I, I would agree with him. The The biggest threat of of what this means to go into the season without it is that you just, you know, it, it's insurance against getting off to a 10 and 10 start or a, you know, five and seven start or whatever it might be, which could very well happen. Like you say, with all of these parts, he's got to fit together. Got to figure out a closing lineup, a starting lineup. You got to figure out how the rotation works with a lot of guys who are really good at one thing, but really bad at a few others. And putting all those pieces together is going to be really tricky. And you want the the runway. I have, as a Lakers fan, would just feel more comfortable knowing that this wasn't going to be the kind of thing that they were going to have to be that that he that everybody's going to have to answer questions about. Like that would make me. I feel. If I, especially if you like the Westbrook deal as a fan, like you feel good about where they are, you know, like they, they've done some good stuff and you're excited about this season. It's just this one little thing. It's like, come on, guys, well, iron that out. Plus, plus, as Bill Oram noted in his piece, and again, like all of these different elements of it, because I was like everybody, I think, distracted by the shiny object that is free agency and trade season. I had forgotten about Russell this Westbrook part of it. Very shiny object. Well, there's another like game within the game element of Vogel's lack of extension mm. currently in existence with this situation. We'll get into that next. So I, Brian, I had completely forgotten about the fact that not only does Frank Vogel still have that extension question hanging over him, you know, to whatever degree th- this is on his mind, but I can't imagine he's not thinking about it at all. He, he, again, he'd prefer it be done. He'd like to have two more years on this deal or three more years right. or whatever it is. I had forgotten about this, but as Bill Oram noted in his piece, quote, while Vogel no longer has the specter of Jason Kidd as a potential successor hanging over him, 
Kidd's replacement on the bench, David Fisdale, has a deep relationship with James and will quickly be linked to the job should mm-hmm. the Lakers struggle, as you had mentioned earlier. I had never even thought about this with David Fisdale because I never really, even when we talked about this in shows like last month or that, I had never really considered the idea that Vogel's job, Brian, was really in jeopardy. I just saw this as a quality replacement for Right, Kidd. it's a quality because you need, you need somebody who can play that role of like communicator with LeBron. You had Kidd in that seat. is because it didn't work in New York in like in pretty spectacular fashion and I'm not blaming him entirely but it did, it did not go well no there's some rehab that needs to go with yeah. his with his coaching to get back into a, a head coaching gig if that's what he wants so yeah, yeah I agree with you but I just never considered the idea that you know it could be uh, another job in waiting this one and that's the thing it, it never dawned on be. me like the Lakers may have no interest they might look at the Lakers and Rob Palenka could look at what happened in New York and be like yeah, we love Fizz we we are so excited to have him on our staff that's not the guy that we want running the you know the basketball part of this thing based on what we saw you know his experience like in New York but the problem is if your head coach doesn't have a contract it's different if you're the the Pelicans or the you know the Kings or well it's like lame duck doesn't matter like everything matters with with uh, with a team as high profile as as the Lakers everything is is a potential thing and, and the narrative is yes. set up perfectly even if it's a BS narrative it is there to connect dots and yes just. Go willy-nilly with every single imaginal scenario you want. All you do is is allow speculation, like you say, even if it's not warranted. But I, why, why? I, I there are some things that I, I wonder about because you mentioned the offense. Is it possible? Like we've reached a place in baseball, for example, where the manager is more of a not entirely, but more of a caretaker position. It is about relationship management. It's about getting people from point A to point B and making sure the group is moving together. Um, it is less about filling out lineups and doing all these other things and whether the guy's going to steal second and when you're going to change pictures. Most, of, of, base- most of baseball's failure anyway. Right. Are we reaching a place in basketball where maybe certain people think that um, you know that they coach like Frank Vogel, unless you know if if he if he's not you know in that ultra elite group of guys, that those you know guys are replaceable, and they've just reshaped the entire team much more around offense than defense. It's not. It's less a quote unquote Frank Vogel roster than it used to be. Do you think there's any any sense of like? Hmm, Maybe we should see how it works. I don't think I, I don't think so. I, I think they're going to get this done. It just no. I mean, still that, talking about this in three weeks, it's going to make me a little nervous. That interpretation honestly never dawned on me. Like I, I just don't think basketball is there in general, much less right, but, the but, but, I don't, Whether I don't it's think... that, whether it's that the team just doesn't match what he does as well. Like, do we? Well, no. See I, if this I, is a good one for Frank. Like. I don't, I don't see it that way because, you know, I mean, if anything, you could, you could look at this as, as a roster that may offset some of what Frank Vogel doesn't do. 
as a head coach. Like, you know, he, he is his last couple seasons. And even if you look at like the Pacers at their peak, like those teams he had that went to back to back Eastern conference finals and they, and they were really legitimately good teams. If those teams had not run yeah. up against the Heatles, there's a really good chance they would have gone to at least one finals. They just For unfortunately sure. went up against like a mini dynasty of sorts, but offense has never been Frank Vogel's strengths with, with his teams. And they, I think it's more likely that they would be looking at creating a roster that has more natural strengths to it to offset some of what Vogel hasn't really brought regularly as a coach. And they rely on his strengths as a coach defense. He can make it work with these guys as, as opposed to what you're talking about. I just, Look, sometimes organizations just get finicky or get wanderlust with coaches or players do. You know, I mean, LeBron has rarely, if ever, been known to have strong bonds with his coaches. And and to be clear, I have never heard anything about LeBron and Frank Vogel other than as far as I know, the relationship's excellent. Right. And that LeBron really respects him. LeBron is somebody that cares a lot about preparation and methodology and Frank Vogel is nothing if not extremely prepared. But you mm -hmm. know, I mean, sometimes things run their course for weird reasons. Sometimes you think you can do better for whatever reason. You know, it, sometimes you may be looking ahead to what's it going to cost to keep Frank Vogel, you know, two years removed from a championship and you start balking at that cost. I don't know. I'm wondering, the money thing is the other thing that you think about, um, you know, without completely rehashing the Caruso thing, obviously the Lakers have drawn a line somewhere in where their expenses are going to go. It's like there, there is a limit as to what they're going to spend. Um, the, 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 the club of coaches that can say, I've won an NBA title, pay me for it, is very small. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, I, I wonder if money is part of this where Vogel expects now to be paid like a guy who has won an NBA title and the Lakers are going, eh, maybe, maybe you're not worth that much. Um, and maybe I, the, the impact that individual coaches have, I, I, I always think generally speaking, I think there are a few guys who are incredibly valuable and really do add, you know, wins to a team's, uh, season and then there are guys who are really incompetent and take them away and a, a huge chunk of the middle has is filled with guys who if you give them good rosters and good support and all that kind of stuff will give you good results and if you don't they're not necessarily going to elevate it i thought when they hired bogle he was in that group of guys who you know what give him a good roster uh good support he's perfectly fine that first season elevated him for me last year i know some fans were not thrilled with what vogel did i think the circumstances were so difficult yeah. trying to figure out a rotation was so complicated um and the end result of anthony davis being hurt in the playoffs you know the the results of that are so obvious i i, I didn't really lose any no it, i don't respect is the wrong word but you understand what i mean like i didn't I, I didn't rethink my my opinion of vogel based on last year i tell you what though if he turns around and, and can win with this group, not that it's bad, but like in terms of a contrast and a challenge to the one that he had that he won in 2020, you know, you turn around, you add, you incorporate Westbrook, 
you get all of these one year guys on, you know, operating in the same way um, with obvious flaws. You make a, you know, by definition, you've made a good defense out of it. You've figured out the offense. If they win again this year, I mean, goddamn, man, you got to talk about Frank Vogel as one of the elite coaches in the NBA. I don't think there's any way around that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Vogel last season, you know, we talked about it over the course of the year, may, you know, at times made some decisions that I, I didn't think were the right ones, but you're going to find that with every coach. You and I covered Phil Jackson when he won back-to-back championships, and there were times when he's like, Constant I don't get second what guessing. That's, that's yeah, I'm all, like, I get what know, he's doing. I, I, again, I just I wonder where money is obviously a thing, so you start to then wonder where it becomes well, a thing. It, it look, could be this. It could be with players. It could be – it was important there was to remember that Ramona Shelburne had. They, they might have been trying to dump Marcus All, which yeah. didn't end up happening, and that probably would have been about money. Um, Maybe, but, Brian. I mean, it's, it's important to remember that Vogel was – at best, their third choice initially. Exactly. In reality, probably their fourth, because if they could have done it optically, they clearly would have hired Jason Kidd, but they didn't think they could handle it. But as much as Vogel may have surpassed their expectations in terms of winning that championship in the first year, still fourth may, choice. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe there's still elements they aren't sold on him. And you could say, like, you know, you want flexibility, you want the ability yeah. to move on. And like again, if you think coaches are a little bit more disposable. Um, or interchange disposable is a little insensitive, but interchangeable that you could find another person who can do it better, who can do the same, who could elevate whatever it might be, who can work better with this roster. Maybe you don't want to get tied in. Still think, do you think ultimately before the season starts, they, they have this done? I would like to think they will. I mean, I, it makes no sense to me not to, because given the parameters of the season, you are better off giving him that vote of confidence with that extension. And then you know, I made the joke earlier, paying more than one coach at once while eating the money. But in terms of the big picture, I mean, look, the Lakers used to be experts on this. There was a period I think they were paying three coaches at once. Like, you can do this, but in terms of the big picture and the window that you're working with for LeBron and now Westbrook in terms of getting the most out of them, I wouldn't create elements of uncertainty unless that's the direction you think you're moving in anyway, in which case I would say Unless you think the formula, because you saw it in Cleveland with LeBron, is specifically like they did with David Blatt and then Ty Lue, let the guy start it out, then bring in an assistant that you know LeBron is tight with because it's one for one. Right. It's got 100% completion rate. It's a 100% success rate. <laughs> right. Unless it's that, you should move off him in the offseason, I guess, install Fisdale and stand by it. It's not what I would do. I'm just saying and for the right. sake of simplicity. But this, this. But whole, I'd be surprised if they didn't just give him this whole thing. Is really, this is a microcosm of what happens if you go into the season without an extension for Vogel. Yeah, like this is this is it. Two people yeah. who think it's going to get done aren't really. But like, it's just like, gosh, I really, I, yeah. Anyway, um, we mentioned at the top of the show the Lakers have completely revamped their rotation, uh, their roster. They're everything. Uh, there's a lot of stuff still to work out. One place that actually does look like it's got some clarity, though, is the center position. And we will talk about how that could shake out and what it means for the Lakers to do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft. They are easy to chew. They're healthy. They're great if you're looking to maintain or lose weight, but you still want to eat something that doesn't feel like you're you know, living on bread and water in prison. You got Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. They're great for keto diets and they taste 
awesome. You've got the 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors like cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream. They are perfect for someone like me who just loves really cool, unique, different taste combinations. You don't end up feeling bored like you're just also doing the same thing. Totally yeah. yoked, protein oh, yeah. up and yoked. Yeah. I mean, look at that. Look at that. That's not that's barely flexing and look at that. That's mm -hmm. unbelievable. Like I it's it's like me and that wasn't LeBron. CGI, folks. No, we no, this have that in the budget. That was no, no, it, whoa, yeah, exactly. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code gunshow. Kidding, <laughs> use the promo code locked15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code lock15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Hey, real quick, Andy, before we, we get to the center <laughs> thing, which way is the beach? <laughs> that way. <laughs> <laughs> um all right i so, think it's that way um anyway <laughs> the uh the lakers i don't know like figuring out a finishing lineup figuring out starting lineups we've got a bunch of questions on the youtube channel for example uh, again thank you to everybody who signed up for locked on lakers on youtube we're going to keep pumping out as much good stuff to you as we can uh, but a lot of people asking, like, what do you think the starting lineup is going to be? What do you think the finishing lineup is going to be? And one of the only places to me that I can kind of see some fairly simple clarity, at least as things stand on August 6th or whatever, is at center. I feel like most of the moves, like we've talked about, have, have shown that Anthony Davis is going to play more five this year than before because you need the space you need the, the room so that Westbrook can get to the basket. And to maximize Westbrook, to maximize LeBron, you need that space. And you have two older centers who are probably not – it's not a good idea to have them playing more than 15 or 20 minutes a night anyway. One of whom matches really well with the prospective starting lineup, Mark Gasol. Floor spacer, still a good defender, good rim protector, but can get you – doesn't have to stand in the lane. Uh, to be useful. Um, and one makes a, a lot of sense as a defensive presence, particularly um, with a second unit and as a vertical threat who can finish, you know, whether it's Westbrook playing with that unit, whether it's Kendrick Nunn or whatever, as a guy who can, you know, go up and catch a lob and stuff like that. To me, this all actually makes a lot of sense and provides the Lakers with two different kinds of centers, three, mm -hmm. including AD that give you really solid defense. Gasol was excellent on that side of the ball last year, and Dwight still can do it. And optionality on offense. Like, I like the way this is set up, and you know, people are worried about the age. I'm not particularly worried about that. Oh, man. By, by the way, we just brought that up in yesterday's show, and Jesus, did people jump down our throats clearly. I, oh, just, my God. Like, that one guy who wrote essay after essay, like, how dare you? But like, did you listen? Like, you know what we said. The answer, like, are they too old to win? No. Like, did no, you get that part? We, no. We mentioned the issues that come with being an older roster, which, by the way, are real. Like, okay, really quick, before we even dive further into the center thing, whether you think this roster is too old, whether you think they're not old enough, whatever. Like, <laughs> who are you out there who thinks that they're not old Okay, enough? like whatever. Whatever you think about the age thing, if you are somebody trying to make the case that this roster is not too old, that's fine. You and I both said they are capable of winning a 100%. championship. 100%. Context matters. Okay. Stop with 
the absolutely stupid effing example of Tom Brady as to why this roster's not too old. Tom Brady's 44 years old, man, and he just won a Super Bowl ring. That would be a great example if his entire line was 44 years old, all of his receivers were 44 years old, his running backs were 44 years old, and half the defense was 44 years old. It's a dumb example. Like, stop bringing that up as an example to why this roster can win. There's plenty of good reasons why this roster can win. Tom Brady is the dumbest of all of them. All right, so stop. Yeah, stop Stop it. And also, please listen to the – don't just look at the little – the title – we're asking the question that everybody else is asking that LeBron was responding to, and we said, no, they're not too old. Just, you know, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Brady. I like what they have set up there. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think everybody can play a little bit. You get to the playoffs. Everybody's got a role to play. You you can, you know, still keep some size. You don't have to, you don't have to play AD there all the time if he doesn't want to because you have a floor spacing center. Uh, when you need it and, and you want to have some size on the floor. Um, but you're also capable of dialing it down and, and you know, LeBron at the four, 80 at the five with a bunch of other lineup combinations that make sense. Yeah, I, I think they've done. I think they have a perfectly good setup at the five. I'm very pleased. Yeah, I, I agree with you that the setup is potentially there and that it does make sense. What makes me wonder if it's not quite as set as the way you're laying it out is what we alluded to earlier. Um, Randy, how I laid it out is exactly how it's going to be. Um, when Ramona Shelburne was uh, on ES, uh, 710, I believe, uh, or is either 710 or the low post, one or the other. But was, Yeah, or the jump or one of those right. places. It was one, Ramona. Right. It was, it, was, it was Momo, our buddy. And she talked about how the Lakers had had some talks um, with the Timberwolves, uh, among, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe other teams, about a sign and trade that would have involved Caruso, but also would have involved Mark Gasol as well. And it would have been salary cap relief for the Lakers. And I, I don't want to get into the exacts of all of that stuff. What I found interesting, though, is the idea that they would have been potentially willing to move Mark Gasol for nothing. And that I find interesting. Just yeah, the I mean, idea you're right. That, because that gets back to the money question. I mentioned that in the last segment. Well, but is, but is it, it also is the potential about money, but it also could be fit. Right. It, it, be, yeah. It, it speaks to the idea that Marc Gasol, I think, was not pleased with the way uh, the second half of the season uh, rolled out. And I don't blame him for feeling that way, but it, no question he wasn't happy. There's been a lot of buzz about AD willing to play far more center than he did last season, maybe even the season before, you know, something closer to a full time five role, if not full time. And, you know, you need you need more spacing, not just around Anthony Davis, but also around Russ. That is, in a lot of ways, their best lineup anyway. When you play him at the five, it becomes less complicated, just Mm -hmm. engineering roles. And they may think that the idea of a center rotation of Anthony Davis, Dwight, maybe Devontae Kaycock, maybe somebody TBD that they can find in free agency or whatever, you can have. LeBron is a small ball center at times. I think in a pinch, you could play Melo as a small ball five. Utah is going to be doing that with Rudy Gay, who is a better defender. But I think just Melo's not going to be great defensively, no matter where you put him. So in a lot of ways, 
it, it doesn't really matter that defensive assignment one way or another. You're going to be looking to cover for him. It's just the truth. So it's, it's the lineup it, you use when you don't want to give Frank Vogel an extension. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you name him as the starting center. That's what you do. You say, hey, uh, I'm going to need you to play some mellow at the five here. And uh, and we'll see and, how this and goes. Also and also we'll decide and, to give you another contract. In terms of that fit with the starting five, I agree with you that there are a lot of a lot of elements with Gasol on paper that work with that group that you were talking about. But then when you think about other than defense, which Gasol is still great at, but you know he's not gonna not he's not really gonna be necessarily any better in that spot than Anthony Davis would be. The need for his playmaking gets alleviated to some degree by having. Westbrook and LeBron and the shooting that he theoretically provides in a lot of ways is a pure theoretical because he's often reluctant to shoot. But again, I'm not, but the issue isn't whether or not he, the issue isn't, do you need him out there? It, you know, could you, can you come up with a lineup that, of course you can, but you can play, he, he, if you want to, if you're going to play a center with that group, it can't be Dwight Howard. And so the the presumption that I'm not unless, on, not unless the plan is just we are going to crash the shit lean out of the board. Into this. We're going to lean. <laughs> we're going to like you know we're going back to the '90s, man, in ways that like people just aren't prepared for. This like rollerball, we're playing. I am still working. Like I know people. It's like you know you you mentioned the idea that he almost be like a full time five. I am not going to believe that until I see it. In part because I don't think it's totally necessary, but. I, I think he's going to play more at the five. I think he would have played more at the five last year if it wasn't such a disaster. It's probably true. All around. And if you're going to play a center to start, and I think they're going to, that's my presumption. It can't be Dwight. It can't be Devontae Kaycock. It can't be, it's got to be a guy who can step out. Kaycock was taking some threes in summer league. All or not, and he'll still be helpful. He can still pass. He'll still have yeah, an open, a couple of, he literally can be out there. And that creates the space. That's I'm the not reason. lobbying. I'm not lobbying for them to get rid of Gasol. I, I I like Mark Gasol, and I think if nothing else, if he does everything he's supposed to be doing with more frequency and volume, you know, he can trigger he can trigger those fast breaks and then just kind of hang back. Yeah, I, there's a lot. There's a lot that we don't know, obviously, but I just yeah. think this. This works on both sides of the ball. You have two I, defense, and it's you know, we'll, we'll quit after this. First year, they had two guys who kind of replicated each other's yeah. skill set, and it would have been nice to have a little bit of floor stretching there. You know, as a, last year, they had a lot of differentiation between the two, but and then it's it turned out not enough overlap. Where when you get when you took Gasol off the floor, you were giving up too much defense with Trez, and then the lack of availability from Anthony Davis made and then Drummond ended up complicating it. The whole, right, and the Drummond, right, all of that. This year, you have good overlap in the Venn diagram in terms of defense and defensive um, ability, if not aesthetics. They don't look the same, but the the end result is very similar. But a, a much bigger variance in what they do offensively. Dwight is still a vertical threat, um, and you know, and can do those things. Gasol can step out and space the floor. I like of the three years, this combination is the best. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't disagree with anything you were saying from a basketball perspective. It's just the the moments we've seen of, 
a lacking commitment to Marcus All just makes me wonder. But you, what you're talking about on the court, maybe they, makes, yeah, maybe they had somebody else in, in mind that they were there. I think it makes at. perfect we'll sense what you're saying on the court. Um, all right, so so much still to talk about. Uh, we will not be talking about summer league. <laughs> just want to remind everyone. Um, but I think next week we're going to start getting into what the rest of the NBA looks like now because we we've been catching up so much on the Lakers. We really haven't had a chance to look at what other teams have done, what the strengths are in the East, what the strengths are in the West. It is all relevant because the Lakers expect to see a team in the East in the finals, obviously have to get through the West. So we'll start uh, maybe taking some inventory of what's going on over there. The Lakers still have some roster spots to fill out. Um, so more movement could be coming. Um, it's not going to get less interesting over the next couple of weeks. Schroeder. So, uh, what is going on around. with that man? Stick around. All right, we'll see everybody uh, next time. Have a great weekend.